welcome back to the Couch Command. My name is Keith Hayward. I am the host of the Couch Command podcast on popgeeks.com. Uh, I just want to say a quick thanks to our uh, editor, Brian Klein, who has helped us throughout all these episodes. I also want to say thanks to Eileen, who hosts us on popgeeks.com. With me today, I have MJ. Howdy, howdy. Thanks for having me back. All right. And Isaac. Hey, uh, so uh, I'm excited for what's about to come. I can't wait to uh, uh, bring, in, bring in the Ant-Man discussion. Yep, we're going to geek out on what we've been geeking on. And uh, one of the main things we've all ta- seen is Ant-Man. So what is your question, Isaac? You wanted to know. Uh, I just want to know, did you love it? Because the whole time I was thinking, this is the shit Keith should love. Oh, my God, there's sci-fi crap. There's buildings that shoot lasers. There's <laughs> blue beasts and mana rays and the, the little, uh, little uh, you know, blob monster. And there was just so much sci-fi pulp. I, 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 you must have been a hog in heaven. Uh, uh, um, so were you a hog in heaven? Yes, at the time. While in the middle of it, I did eventually go, you know what? I'm loving this. Like, yeah, it was uh, fantastic pulp sci-fi. We shrink down to a micro-universe with all this fauna and wildness, and we fly on uh, manta rays and and go across glistening lakes. And then, like, there's a point where I was like, "Ah, still going. All right. And look to my left, and uh, MJ's falling asleep. And uh, (laughs) by the end of it, I'm like, you know... Hmm. You know, I felt, uh, killed off about halfway through there, but uh, y- yeah, it, that's the biggest thing about it. It's just I've been trying to think about how. I mean, you and I both enjoyed it when we were yes. talking about when we got out of the theater last night. But yeah. I was thinking about it this morning. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't happened. And the longer, I it, yeah, the more time that passes, the more I'm like, mm, like, yeah, the the I don't care part, which is. I think it, it comes down to uh, what Scorsese said. It, it was a theme park ride. I had a great time during it, but I'll be fucked damned if I'm going to watch it ever again. And same thing with Way of Water. It's a, it's a big joy ride, and you're there I, for I, the theatrical I, I, experience, but. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle with you. Well, because like I, I'm a weird wave water defender, but I also agree with all the uh, the complaints about it. Uh, I, I do think they're warranted, but I also still want to like set up for bat. Like wave water is not because I assume we, we we haven't gotten the chance to do the Avatar talk, but there <laughs> we can comparison uh, because um, wave water. I think um, the characters aren't super deep, but they're deep enough, and I feel like it. Mm-hmm. Wave water connects to like a really really deep fantasy. I think people love the idea of like running away to a tropical island, learning how to ride dinosaurs, befriending a, a fucking whale. Um, so, so I do think that there is like a sort of like a little bit of a deeper connection there. Like, you know, Ooh, I'm the earth child and I'm going to Sigourney Weaver and all the, the planets going to connect to me because I'm a fairy princess. And I, I, I literally do think the Sigourney Weaver character is like the smartest version I've ever seen. So, far of like trying to do the you know uh hero of a thousand faces joseph campbell's hero journey uh, mm-hmm. on like a female girl boss character and, and it feels like the only one that's worked versus like captain marvel or katniss everdeen um 
uh, that kind of like sold it uh, on like kind of like building this child of prophecy hero of destiny that that it, it feels like it's being set up properly uh, but it also feels genuinely uh, feminine uh versus captain marvel who's just kind of like this uh, emotionless girl boss who's uh, great and was Very always stern. great yeah, very stern, just kind of like this no fun character versus like, you know, the, the semi quasi, you know, autistic quality of uh, Kira, who, you know, just wants to vibe with the sand and, you know, be the little skater girl who, um, you know, has ferrets. Yeah, well, I, I, I one thing it, it's a good mm-hmm. setup episode of the Avatar series that Cameron used to what he wants to do later on. I just don't think it was worth three hours of screen time. That I 100% agree. It is super overindulgent, and, um, you know, it does feel like we waited 15 whatever-plus years, and this is what you got, came up with? Fucking Save the Whales? Whoa. Like, I remember when I, was seeing, when I was seeing the trailers, I was like, you know, oh, shit, this, I bet you this is all from, like, the 30, first 30 minutes of the movie, and there's gonna be, like, a million ships and all this cool shit that we're not even seeing, but then once I saw the, like, oh, shit, that, that, that giant ship, that, that, that's it, that's where the climax is gonna take, just this, this super whaling ship, God damn it! Well, I, I, um, I, I will. Uh, Wave Water definitely better than uh, Quantum Mania. Like Wave Water had the genuine rise and fall of arc character arcs that I saw. Like there's completions of like personal stories that happened that seemed real and organic that actually opened and closed and and they they flowed correctly versus the artificial nature of a Marvel movie where. Uh, you don't pay attention to me enough. And like, oh, I should pay attention to you. <laughs> oh, you're right. And then that's it. And then also my biggest pet peeve, one of my biggest pet peeves of all fiction ever is when people say, there's no time to explain. And that was like <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer's entire character. And yeah. she had plenty of time this entire time to explain. Like she could, she, there's absolutely, they gave no reason whatsoever for her not to say what happened while she was in there. Then let's say while they get zapped there, she could have told everybody everything right away. And it would have been okay, but she just continues to be mysterious about it for no reason whatsoever. And that got on my fracking nerves. Even um, after the end of Bill Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And, um, but, but like while I was in it, um, when they got to like that city and I was like, huh, this is star Wars. They're doing Star Wars. All right, yeah. you know, I'm kind of cool with that. Um, but then, yeah, it came down to the visual background spam that, uh, MJ, you made a good point, where uh, the biggest problem with, like, this, the background visual spam that they're doing lately is how much they're never interacting with it. Like, Yeah, you can tell the actors are just there in front of a green screen, and they have yeah. no proper context to what they're supposed to be interacting with. It's just... You can enjoy all the work that the visual artists are putting to all this. That I can understand. Versus Way of Water, um, they make me forget that it's not real, and they are completely moving and really interacting with their environment. So all that work that their effects people are doing is just kind of like lost in the background. So, and then also uh, the last thing is, uh, you know how much I love my silly treated seriously, and Modok is important. That you do that with, and they couldn't do it. They they were so embarrassed of having Modoc that they just 
turns to a, a stupid joke over and over again. And I was like, okay. And fantasized entirely, and the CGI was so distracting. <laughs> oh, my the God. Worst special effect in that entire movie. Like, I did like the callback. Like, I thought that was kind of, like, a neat idea to, like, bring back Corey uh, Stahl, or what's his last name? Yeah, Corey Stahl. Like, yeah. uh, like, bring him back. I- I'm always a sucker to that. Like, you-, you earn 10 points of goodwill when you, like, referenced something to an older movie. Like, is She-Hulk got some goodwill points by bringing back a Abomination, uh, but th- that special effect was was fucking was t- oh, miserable. Like so, um, how bad it was and how goofy they made him made me think about like there's a a time where I went with like my ex to a movie and like her daughters were young at the time and we were watching like uh, one of the Transformers movies and one of the dudes gets one of the most gruesome horrific deaths ever and like I, I was like whoa okay little kids are in here that's not okay. You went too far with the children in the audience. And like how I wanted uh, MODOK to be treated like uh, a, a genuine threat. But like, you know, his silliness did make my friend's kid genuinely chuckle with joy. And he gave it a 9.5 out of 10. No, no, so, he, he explained that. He explained that. Uh, the, it was, he only gave that movie half a star up until Loki showed up in the final guy, in credit scene. Right. <laughs> so, Loki other nine points. <laughs> I'm wondering, like, you know, like, for me, yes, please trade seriously, but um, they are aiming for a broader audience, so maybe it's necessary, but. Oh, yeah, I'll just speak for myself. Fuck that. Yeah, uh, the, the, the entire problem with the movie I thought was encapsulated by William Jackson Harper, aka Cheaty from The Good Place. The mm-hmm. fact that they got him to just play Cheaty, but then just gave him a glowing forehead and like you yes. guys didn't freaking try. You <laughs> I was thinking about that. Try. Like, just, uh, there's a there's a thing called the Black Bell test that I, I want to create sometime, where uh, it's so consistent how much. You never let the black guy be masculine and awesome and get to do things. Uh, so, like, yeah, Chidi... Oh, Jonathan Majors is pretty awesome for most of it. Yeah, he's he's one of the biggest stars in that movie, yet all they did was choose... They used him for punchlines, and that was it. Well, he try. It's such like oh, I think it's like a, also like a, it's trying to do too many things. One, like it seems like it's trying to prove that we can do James Gunn cosmic shit without James yeah. Gunn. Yeah, which I, I guess aesthetically you kind of achieve, but like the tone of Ant Man doesn't fucking fit that. Like, like they've always been cal- cute palate cleansers with like a uh, you know tongue and cheek humor and like fun and like uh, Ant Man like having like you know going small and big technology is just worthless in a star wars universe it just doesn't fit it just makes there's nothing special about that him existing in this world um and then you've kind of got like the typical marvel humor and then you've also got the kang introduction um which was you know jonathan majors is a great actor and i think he does a great job with what he can but ultimately because like i was god i almost wish they they followed like with the trailer um where it was like i don't have to win we both have to just lose and it's like oh shit are they gonna kill ant-man Ooh, that got to be excited what better way to hype up kang than uh have him uh you know murder yeah yeah, to be able to take out an Avenger. That would have been pretty badass. But, but it, you know, uh, they got to, I guess, you know, Rudd is way too profitable to let go. And I hear that um, they them immediately opening up the door that the, you know, they thought there was a timer on losing uh, at the end was a reshoot. Like, I, I hear there was supposed to be a reach landing where, like, 
it would have been a cliffhanger of like, oh shit, are we trapped here? And leave it at that, which, you know, they, yeah, like, uh, would, which would have been like a sacrifice where I was talking about on the way home, like how it used to piss me off as a kid where uh, to make your victory, you have to get like a massive loss. And in movies, they don't do it anymore. It's just like the massive loss was the goofball Modoc. That was the only sacrifice where I was expecting. I thought Michael Douglas was going to go down because you always kill the father figure. That's that's usually the sacrifice you make. But I did Douglas, like his entrance with the ants, though. I thought that was the was biggest cool. fuck yeah moment of the entire movie. It was like, glorious. It's just like, oh, okay, everybody survived. Okay. Because Walkman's like, my late? I'm like, yeah, of course you are, Michael Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, people seem to like that Michelle Pfeiffer like uh, got to shine, which I guess was nice. But uh, just as like a lot of people were hoping that like Ant Man would kind of like steer the course and like you know lead into a glorious Phase Five. And, and in some ways, that's kind of unfair for like when you change directions in production. Um, you can't really write the ship uh, for a film that's already been made, but uh, it, it does feel like. Th- th- Actor forming in the Marvel Dynasty, uh, um, it, it feels like uh, we're we're getting ready to see things uh, sink and fail unless they can like um, do some quality control, uh, do some soul searching, and, and like it, it's quickly becoming like a Pixar situation. Well, Feige's so, swearing up and down. They're gonna put quality over quantity at this point. I mean, that's I think, why they narrowed it down. There's only two MCU shows coming out this year instead of the fire hose they gave us last year. Thank God. Oh my yeah. God. Like the, the echo and the Agatha house of Harkness. Like that's an indulgence <laughs> you can do when you're like, everything's making a billion dollars out of the gate. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's black Adam levels of uh, who, what, why do I want that? Like, you know, echo. Everybody loves echo. <laughs> you know, Black Adam. You want here, Black I just Adam? Actually, it stuck the landing with Moon Knight because I totally whiffed on that landing. But yeah, but I, I think uh, they have enough money. Marvel, I don't think will. Uh, I'll uh, I'll be wrong for my future self when I say this. I don't think Marvel could ever fail. Uh, what I keep seeing happening is like they always seem to have another chance of. <clears throat> they, they they just need to find that next good hot blooded um, creator. One that's coming up that's probably incubating right now, and then when that person comes along, there'll be another resurgence of love. But right, right now, I think we're hitting a point of like the actors and creators are just tired of the machine where they don't feel like they're making movies anymore. They're doing a job and then selling chicken tenders. <laughs> Which ouch! Oh god, that's, that hurts. I sent the, I sent the link. Uh, you can watch it afterwards. Um, okay. I lost some of it. I I felt bad for every actor in that thing. Oh my god, dude, that's oh. not okay. Yeah, and like, yeah, that reminds me of like when I first found out the rules of why someone would not want to stay in an MCU because, like, at at that time, you know, that is what everyone would aspire to to be an MCU movie. And then I found out all the rules of like, uh, if you party, we better not find out about it. Uh, your ass is ours. You appear in anything and everything we tell you to. And your life is just basically ours to own. And yeah, I can see why, why stars are like, uh, yeah, I guess this is my last one. Oh, no. Phew. Okay. <laughs> my life is back. Yeah, why, why freaking um, Elizabeth Olsen is like so glad to like throw Wanda Maximoff to the wolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, get me out of here. Like, 
<laughs> she's she's a legit actress who's really good. I so. mean, I, mine is like a like a soft six. Like I, I had fun with it, but it was just kind kind of disposable. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I, I, real quick, like I, I'm looking at the video. Oh my god, this is so so sad. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's, oh my god, no! I wanna, I'm I'm hugging myself as I watch. Like. <laughs> Oh it's, no! It's You're, like the Captain America educational video at the end of the first Spider-Man movie, and just like <laughs> without allegations, <laughs> horrible. Oh no! Like this, this is like this. Uh, there's like a uh, uh, this show called Captain Power back in the day, and like you could buy these VHS tapes where he would oh, come God. on and. And like train you, and then like an anime sequence would happen, and like he's kind of talking to the screen. That's what this looks like. Like they're fighting bad guys on screen in costume, as if they're like doing a, a VHS one off. That's not cool. <laughs> oh my god, they got Brie Larson too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, we've got to put this in the show notes. Are probably going to be crazy, dude. Okay, I got to turn this off. This is not. Oh my god. <laughs> No, that is not okay. What I just saw. Isaac sent us a clip of a thing called Worlds of Marvel. It's the Avengers Quantum Encounter that Disney. Where is Disney showing this on their cruise ships? So, or where okay, uh, let me let me give the whole. All right, let me give some context. I talked about this when we were talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So uh, I, right. I, I went into this weird thing where, like, every now and then, I'm like curious. Oh, I want to see all this expensive Disney food, and then I learned about the Disney Wish, which, which is their like super uh, cruise ship, and one of the things they have is like a Marvel Avengers dinner theater experience. So the way it's structured right. is like you go, you order your food, and then uh, during uh, parts of the meal, they have like these video screens play and the whole idea is it's supposed to be like you're at a technology showcase for PIM Industries so you've got like um you know, Ant-Man and uh, uh, the Wasp, Wasp played play, yeah. play by Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly. Uh, and they're kind of like, you know, they're shrinking things, they're making it bigger, but then it explodes into this Marvel spectacle where Ultron comes, and then I don't, I, and then Miss Marvel's there, and then Brie Larson. And it's just Dude. <laughs> Mass promotion hell. Got it. That <laughs> is, the, the, all those actors are better than this. That This hurts their brand. <laughs> How dare they play? It's like a conversation we had during Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's just, this is why movie stars don't exist anymore. They're not movie stars. They're assets. They're just assets to be used. That's got to be an ironclad contract. Like, Academy Award winner Bray Larson from The Room is here. Oh, my God. That was fucked up. Well, Shit. So I, was, I, I, yeah. I look forward to hearing your thoughts of watching the whole thing when you get the yeah, chance. Yeah, with sound. <laughs> that was that was sad. Um, so Kevin, good luck to you because you've cut yourself. You got quite a job you cut off for yourself. Yeah. Well, we all right. All. Okay, all right. I've so been wondering. Yeah, uh, uh, I was so, gonna. Uh, I'll go first, and then you say, and then we'll decide what we do next. I was gonna ask you guys, what do we think about the upcoming Gunniverse? What were you about to say? Oh yeah! Oh god! Yeah! Oh god! That's that's worthy of an entire discussion of itself. Um, I have issues with it. Um, uh, like 
it, it feels like there are too many Suicide Squad projects. Like, yes. For, for, for me, like, uh, there are a few good things, like having a, a baseline Superman, uh, that's good. Having a Green Lantern thing, that's good. Um, but do you... Finally. Re- yeah, do, do we need Creature Fucking Commandos? Do, do we need the authority? Uh, uh, like, how many quirky fucking teams... I, I, I don't know. This is... This is- this is why everybody had to pay a special attention to Suicide Squad because Gunn put it out there that he was going to go deep into the toy box when it came to DC. The weirdest, most obscure crap that he could dig up, he was going to unearth and he was going to mine it as much as possible. So when they came out with that announcement for what the slate for the DCU, I didn't, it didn't surprise me at all. Am I going to watch much of any of it? I doubt it, but it doesn't surprise me at all when it comes to the gun. The authority, holy shit! Yeah, like, deep, that's deep, deep. That's what he's aiming for. Um, and like, I, I I'm a, I, I was, I was into the authority before it was the authority. Like, my main comic book back in the day was called Stormwatch. Do you guys remember Stormwatch? Uh, vaguely, it was part, part of Wildstorm. But it was yeah. Stormwatch before, or after the authority? Because I know there, uh, there's Stormwatch they were before the authority. Right? And then they got, uh, there was, uh, out of nowhere, uh, Xenomorph Aliens crossover attack, where, like, the characters came to, like, they had this, like, sky, uh, base, like, uh, I feel like the Justice League ripped it off, but <clears throat> they had a space station base, and, like, they've been a long running comic book, and it was awesome. We loved all these characters. And then, like, one, I remember, like, a character rolls up to the base, and, like, the entire goddamn cast is dead, and there's a Xenomorph breakout, and, like, what? Re- we're keep this is in continuity, and then like yeah, they destroyed it all, and then rising up from his ashes was the authority, and uh, yeah, basically also you have gay Superman and Batman in a relationship together. I, I which, mean, uh, uh, like I wonder I how people are take way that way to do, it. but uh, like I feel like that's the smarter way to just have other characters basically be analogs of gay Batman and gay Superman. Um, yeah, but versus if it's like, all the same universe. Then they're gonna go up against Batman, Superman, and this is gonna get weird. Uh, awesome, I think. I think that's awesome. So see, it seems like you're more positive. I'm a little bit more lukewarm, or, or do you, or do mm-hmm. you just think it's? What's your overall impression, Keith? So um, I think he's doing what he did with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, using like no name, low level stuff, so that there's less restrictions on what you can do and. Uh, outcomes you can have so that when it hits it's a really good it's not just running the pieces um he goes he wants to he wants. Of the galaxy another peon group that nobody really gives a crap about and he wants to make them headliners you, yeah you can do whatever you want and like since you're not bound to a heavy hitter and like limited on what you can do he can go all out and make things like we've never seen before and then also like the authority they are definitely gray area good guys so that's leading up to a, you know, a, a confrontation with the Justice League, which will be huge if he can get there. Um, so I'm all for it. I like what he's doing, and uh, this is, once again goes to that thing where I, I noticed where directors uh, don't like to play with the previous director's toys. I want to play with my toys. So sorry, Henry Campbell. Uh, I really wish he kept them, but I don't know. I, I almost wonder. So. Um, he's doing a flashback with his Star Wars Superman legacy, and I kind of wonder if so. It's like a younger Superman, so I do wonder if after that younger Superman does his thing, if 
he's going to bring Henry Cavill back to be the older Superman. No, I, my my guess is what I think they're they're doing is um like uh, there's this Max Landis run of Superman a book that I really like called Superman American Alien, and mm-hmm. in it they have like a the whole uh, it's really well structured. Basically, the idea is that each issue is like a different moment in Clark Kent's life as he you know eventually grows into Superman, and they're like different eras. There's like a, a young and they all have different artists, different tones. There's like a really uh like cute story when he's like a kid and it feels like a Spielberg Amblin movie then the next one is like a story when he's a teen and it's like really gritty and grimy then the next one is when he's like um, kind of in college and he, he like you know falls in Bruce Wayne's yacht and people think he's Bruce Wayne so he has like a party life and he has like a one night stand with Cheetah but it's like very impactful and uh, you, cool. you know very meaningful I, I highly recommended uh, and Wait, one of those called? Uh, Superman American Alien okay hey. Um, so in it, they have like one of the stories is, um, uh, Superman is like going to Metropolis and he's kind of like figuring himself out, trying to become Superman. Uh, so he like, you know, accidentally gets Batman's cape. So he starts wearing around Mac- Batman's cape. He has goggles. He, uh, he has like a military flak jacket. He's, he's like figuring out his identity. So I feel like that's the Superman. That's the idea of like, how do we make Superman relatable? Well, let's have like a young adult Superman in his early twenties. Um, just starting out, not quite an origin story, but like an era of Superman's life that has not been depicted uh, a billion times in other media. That's a good uh, starting point where we can kind of like, you know, build on his affable charm. Uh, and that's where I, I, I think that's what my, my, my gut tells me he's trying to do. All right. Um, I could be I wrong. I want to see what he does with Booster Gold. I want to see what they're going to do with him finally. I was hoping and praying that they would bring Booster in for the CW, oh. but they never did. Of course, they Booster kept hinting that they were going to bring in uh, Green Lantern, too, and they never did, and that still irks me. But Booster Gold sounds very James Gunn. That's a perfect mix. Uh, I got, like, the whole list here. Um, uh, Creature Commandos, I, I just think, is redundant, uh, and it's an animated series, which makes it even more confusing. Uh, like, uh, we had the Suicide Squad, we had the good Suicide Squad, we had the bad Suicide Squad, we had the Keith Loves the Suicide Squad, we also, um, uh, I, I don't want another Suicide Squad, I, I don't want another Guardians of the Galaxy, I just want, like, the classic heroes done well. So I, I, I think, think this is a, it's a placeholder. Um, he, he wants to have, like, animated something in his uh, slate, and he's doing this. But like uh, he's also said, it's in continuity, so it's going to be played by the same voice actors. Uh, Waller sounds like a good idea. It's what they should have had it initially to like uh, focus on her. She's like the best thing from the old, one of the better things from the old DC universe. Superman Legacy makes sense. Lanterns is a good idea. Authority, I'm not so sure about. Paradise Dice Lost, no. <laughs> like I, I know, I, I feel yeah. like that's too connected to the Zack Snyder verse, and Wonder Woman needs to be reinvented. And I feel like all the goodwill for Wonder. Woman is kind of like eroded between 1984, the Snyder cut, and uh, it just needs to be reinvented. And the idea of like a, a Game of Thrones style show just seems like a wrong, a wrong, a bad idea. Uh, Brave and the Bold seems uh, okay. Like finally bringing Robin and the Damian Wayne dynamic, which uh, people aren't super familiar with who aren't like comic nerds. Uh, the Batman sequel is confusing, but sure. Booster Gold, that's a good idea. Supergirl, no. I think that this, uh, Wonder Woman should have had a new show. Uh, Swamp Thing, no. <laughs> uh, 
I know people love Swamp Thing, and they they really want a good Swamp Thing, but I I think like get get your baseline characters right before you start doing weird shit. I th- I think um yeah I've never I've always tried to figure out why like it was in the nineties I was trying to figure out why people love Swamp Thing so much I never really got around to it but people seem to love them and I think that it's going to be uh, their shot at doing like legit horror and that will be kind of a big deal in the superhero universe. Well, it was, so, Alan, it was Alan Moore's run that really brought everybody on was Swamp Thing and it was running in parallel to Neil Gaiman with Sandman and actually. Neil Gaiman uh, Morpheus actually first showed up in Swamp Thing right after Alan Moore first took over the title. So uh, they're still writing a lot on Alan Moore's legacy when it comes to Swamp Thing. I mean, I haven't read any of the recent books to see if they're worth a damn, but I actually did like the uh, one season of Swamp Thing that they did for uh, HBO Max. I thought that was a decent show, and I was a little irked when they canceled it. Because I was hoping they'd get into the real weird, murky, mystical crap of uh, DC and more of the Vertical era of uh, DC, but you know, just like the Constantine show that was on NBC, they canned it after one season and didn't get. I didn't get to see my Doctor Fate until Black freaking Adam. So, <laughs> uh, so my fingers well, are crossed. Uh, oh, my big my uh, my biggest love of what might be coming is that uh, James Gunn said that his template for making uh, this new DC universe is Star Wars, legit Star Wars. He gets what Star Wars is. And that's what made MCU popular. MCU is the Star Wars formula done right. Star Wars forgot what Star Wars is. And they're doing like the surface level of um, what MCU is without knowing that it's supposed to be Star Wars. So anyway, um, someone who gets Star Wars trying to do Star Wars with DC, that sounds like a great thing to me. Um, do we have anything else to say about this? Or do we want to talk about our impressions of the Flash trailer? Because, god damn, that looks good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So I'm so hyped for it. I'm, I'm so hyped. Um, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. So, my expectations. I have I, to. I just. Mm. My hype is out of control. I, I can't stop it. That music. Da, 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 like, and Michael Keaton's back. And then um, I think that the hidden reveal that they're hiding from us is that the second barrier might be evil. Uh, they might be reverse flash, maybe. Exactly. He's wearing yellow as hell. Like ah. he's very much wearing, like the how much yellow he has on his headset and his clothing is a little too over the top for it not to be, uh, for him not to be the reverse flash. I'm a little disappointed that they didn't go full on Flashpoint because I really, really wanted to see Thomas Wayne and Martha yeah. Wayne as Batman and Joker from the original comic. I. God, I wanted to see that live action. Yeah, so me too. Badly. Although, like someone mentioned, I, I don't, I don't think they'll do it because I think a lot of people get mad. But what if uh, Michael Keaton is Thomas Wayne? Because one of the shots shows a whole bunch of different bat costumes, and one of them is the Thomas Wayne costume with the guns. I, I don't think. And the, then there's like this. I, I don't think they respect the source material enough to do that. Uh, I mean, I, don't, yeah, actually, my, actually, I think that might have been a nod to Batman Year Two as opposed to Flashpoint. Twin guns underneath the. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. You you never read Year Two? Nope, I didn't know he did twin guns underneath the arms. Yeah, that that was uh, the one arc that uh, Todd McFarlane actually drew uh, in his oh, early cool. days before he became the Uber Star on Spider Man. Um, yeah, he. 
they explain it in the arc, but he that was the one time in his career that he wielded a gun and actually used it. I'm seeing it, but he's just wielding a gun. Like the shot of the movie character is has him uh, holstered like Thomas Wayne. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Uh, and then, um, oh, shoot, what else to say? Um, I I love it, I love it, I love it. Um, Batman is back, and then also I love uh, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman. He's back. Uh, I just really got I. This is one of the greatest things that they could have kept Henry Cavill in. I as a send off, like just having him one more time in this movie would have been gigantic, and uh, that's a bit of a missed missed opportunity it, for me. Read somewhere that Cavill and Godot had actually filmed yeah. s- uh, scenes for the movie and then cut them. Yep, that's what I heard. I I, I hope there's gonna be like a psych got you, and the crowd goes wild as Clark. Burst from the clouds or something, but yeah, I am, I am. This is the the biggest movie I'm waiting. Well, uh, shoot. Uh, sorry, Guardians of the Galaxy. I love you the most, but my most excitement is for this Flash movie that's coming up. I'm not Blue Beetle. Is that a movie, dude? Really? It's not a TV show. No, it's uh, it's a movie that's coming out this year. The, the, the slate for this year is the Flash, uh, Shazam. Uh, the second Aquaman movie, which apparently Jason Momoa is actively trying to have his name disassociated with, because <laughs> apparently the test screenings have been terrible. Yeah, uh, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was, like, really rooting for that, because I thought maybe James Gunn just wanted to, f- or not James Gunn, James Wong wanted to f- phone it in. Apparently they did, and I, it's, I don't know if they're just, it's just getting, get the, getting the crap kicked out of it and post- editing because of uh, everything going on with Amber Heard, or what's going on. But, um, yeah, apparently he is actively trying to get away from it. Yikes. Yeah, because, uh... It was, it was very noticeable when James Gunn didn't try and hype it up. He says, The Flash is one of the best superhero movies I've ever seen. And <laughs> <laughs> 2 was mysteriously absent. Crickets. crickets. <laughs> yeah, Aquaman's coming. Anyway, so, like, yeah, we're, we're rebooting the universe, so you don't have to worry about that. But yeah, they're doing a Blue Beetle movie that's coming out in the fall. It's um, centered around the Jamie Reyes iteration of Blue Beetle, and it's uh, being played by the kid who plays Miguel Diaz in Cobra oh, Kai. Uh, yep. Yeah. I do love him. Uh, I they, very, they have to show something very special for me to want to go see it in the theater, though. Well, is it in Although theaters, or is it, is it just going to like HBO Max? I, I, that, that's what I haven't heard. Oh, that's a good question. Um, talk amongst yourselves. I'll take it. And then uh, the other big news is everybody ready for more Lord of the Rings movies? Uh, oh, <laughs> oh my god, I'm sweating. <laughs> like it, it was, it was funny because like, like so, like Star Wars is coming back. Like so, like Lord of the Rings, those movies hit. That first movie hit, and I lost my shit because, like, up to that point, it was a, a solid thing in the universe that we we're like, well, nothing's going to be better than Star Wars. That's just like that's an impossible bar to ever top and that is what's locked into the universe and then that first movie hits and Star Wars got topped in the Fellowship of the Ring I called on my friends and like we were just in awe of like oh my god a new sun has risen uh, risen on the horizon and we can't believe this happened and all is good and then the Rings of Power happened and oh my god I'm sorry that that is a travesty I, I, I thought that was horrible I watched all of it 
And usually I, I kind of enjoy hate watches. And I was not happy about this one at all. So now that we live in a world of rings of power, like, is there still strength in the hearts of men that no, uh, you can that, make another Lord of Rings movie? Uh, not, not unless you get a specific talent. Like, I, I'd say, like, if Peter Jackson was involved, but considering what happened with fucking, um, you know, the, the Hobbit trilogy, Hobbit, even that yeah. wouldn't, like, give me much confidence. And I, I can't imagine he, he'd have any interest in doing it after, like, being tortured yeah, exactly. for, like, uh, uh, like half a decade with those movies. So yep. I, I, my confidence is, does not, like, make me, I don't know. I, I, I'm very, I'm not optimistic. I, we, we've seen how it can be fucked up. I think we should just uh, be happy that we got the, the like the, the perfect trilogy and, and move on. So I, 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 I am not excited. I think uh, Rings of Power dampered any enthusiasm uh, for not the right hands uh, handling that universe. Yeah, I, I guess like I don't see. There, there used to be a time like where in movies where you could see the upcoming like hotheads they're 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 rising up and like have you really seen anyone that seems like they they have that 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 fire that new spark that would need it would be needed for making it worth it to do more lord of the rings movies like the only one i think is like maybe neil marshall based on or like some of the people who directed like um you know the big battle episodes of game of thrones uh maybe someone from that universe or like the 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 showrunner of house of the dragon possibly those are the only people who i feel like would be up to the task but you know there's a question like is it going to be a different time period are we going to see morgoth like what the fuck are you going to do are you just going to remake the trilogy and put in bomb bomb bombadil there would be riots if they tried to remake that trilogy they will i i I dare them but i don't think they're going to do that i think they're going to pick another age and do um another era but yeah i kind of wonder like are they going to do like all like the the tropes that people are tired of? Like, is it going to be like Girl Boss the the movie with Lord of the Rings? And you better like it or else. And like, are they going to are they going to start pulling that kind of stuff with well, it? Or, I guess the or question is by the time like people are like you know they're getting talent signed to it. Well, the culture have shifted enough because like another another fun geeking out or anti geeking thing is like oh my god, ha- either of you force yourself to watch Velma? Yes, all First of them. Episode, that's it. <laughs> I watched the entire. I, that. I, I watched the entire fucking thing, and oh my Same. god! Oh. <laughs> and like it's 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 uh it's soulless because uh, like I can't even like like uh, Picard season two was ju- I loved hating that that was so much fun, but this like I want to point out how bad the voice acting is, especially Mindy Kaling, where it seems like she doesn't care. She's just saying the lines, and like I imagine that she did that thing that like Krusty did. Where you know, he shows up and he goes, "All right, let's get this done." Ah ha ha! Hey hey hey! Okay yeah, and bye. I'm out. I'm out. Because that's what it sounds like. Like there's like this moment where she has to like, like jump over a crack, and then she says it like this, and I don't know. I have to do it like that, and like you're like, do you even know what's happening in the scene? Do you care still? Like well, the, the whole yeah, I see the Piss off the Kaling Adi. 
the, the funny thing is that like it, it feels like a, like a Babylon B parody, like but played straight. <laughs> like it is on that fucking level, and uh, it just feels like the ultimate apotheosis of like all, all the sort of like trends done in the worst way possible. It was one of the few times I saw conservatives and uh, you know leftists <laughs> united on, on Twitter for their mutual dis- no one defended this. People were wondering, is this a psyop? Is, is this like so terrible? So. I, I feel like uh, you know now that like entertainment's kind of contracted uh, and there isn't as much free money that, that like uh, you know there's going to be more Top Gun Mavericks uh, and uh, just because like there just isn't the money to like indulge in these things where there like you know isn't the skill or the audience to really justify making them uh, just so like um, what you call what's her name Ava DuVernay's like production company which like you know is like the Eye of Sauron in Hollywood. Uh, uh, of cancellation like there's this really interesting mm-hmm. article where they talk about like the culture of fear and <laughs> how there was this show called woke on uh, hulu about a comic book artist um you know and they're, they're kind of like you know they, they hired black writers to write about it and they're like ah oh, this is corny let's actually try and make something funny and it's like shit mm-hmm. this isn't woke enough this is this is gonna get us canceled and then they brought in like you know uh i think white people to like wokeify it up and the show was like considered to be like a big uh ratings disaster um i'll link the article in the chat and i feel like mm-hmm. if a cultural climate can be let lord of the rings be what it is uh then maybe it'll be good but like you you can't have rings of power. You, you can't like um, do the sort of like uh, diversity mandates uh, where it doesn't necessarily work within the context of the story and have your story, bad story decisions, uh, you know, be made in those justification. That just seems to be the worst of both worlds. And it feels like um, the ecosystem just doesn't support it anymore. And Velma felt like the, the culmination of all those trends, like creating a central nexus. I'm amazed you made it through all the episodes, Keith. <laughs> Curious. Like the, so the, someone like I saw a screenshot of, uh, check out Velma twerking over Fred's dead mother. I was like, <laughs> all right, let me see how we get to that point. That's how we get to that point. And sure. Fucking enough. They do get there. And, <laughs> Man, that show is just like and like I like I said like with uh Picard, I I it was so bad. I had so much fun with just like the shot and for I had to have Oh, oh well, man, sorry, like, sorry, they have no idea what they're doing. Sorry to j- jump topics, but I'm also kind of curious because... Oh, yeah, I want to get there. Uh, are you happy with Picard Season 3? Because I, I, everyone's yes! saying it's, like a, it's a return to form. It is. A dude- it is. Holy Picard, shit. It's an obvious ending of the episode, too, but I'm not going to say what it is because I'm not going to spoil it. But, yeah, so far it's been a nice, good start. Surprise. Like, so just ending with uh, Velma, like, I sat there just emotionless. Like, I couldn't, I, like, there maybe I, I think I laughed maybe two or three times, because, like, there was a tiny joke that hit. Otherwise, I'm just, like, you know, watching all the stuff that's, like, supposed to, like, offend me. And, like, I can tell that they're trying to bother the audience. They're like, ah, ha, ha, I bet you won't like this. You won't like this. And I just, like, just dead. I was just like, oh, my God, like, this is just nothing. So, yes, yeah, that was no time much. for provocation. I'm not going to watch something just for provocation. I have no yeah, They're no trying. Interest. And then, uh... I sat down to watch Picard season three because I was like, get my popcorn. Like, I can't wait to see how much they're bringing back the original cast. Let's see the final humiliation of all these beloved characters. And out the fucking gate, it's good. It's very good. 
Like, the bastard finally started writing Picard as Picard instead of whatever the hell he uh, was the first two seasons. Yep, Picard's acting like uh, they're all acting like themselves. Uh, the story is that the people who've been like kind of fucking up Star Trek that uh, have been pissing us off all this time, like they've moved on to Strange New Worlds. Oh, Strange New Worlds! I'm so sorry. Uh, and uh, other places, and then they left behind this guy Terry Metalis, who rose up as like he was just an assistant uh, in like TNG era or or Voyager, or he was in DS9 as well. So he was just like a production assistant back in the original era, and he rose up through the ranks. Um, and they're like, <clears throat> because he was so level low level. Um, there's an episode of uh, Star Trek Enterprise where Trip was talking about like the worst places in the galaxy. Uh, and one of them was a place called Metallus Prime. And they were just hazing the news guy, Terry Metallus, who's the real children right now. So it's just kind of cool to see him rise up from being hazed to being the main man who's running it. And like he's been through all these iterations. And he's like, finally, now I get to do the Star Trek I wanted to do and give the TNG the send-off they deserve. Because Nemesis was not good, and he's like, "Nope, I'm giving them the undiscovered country treatment, and that's what we're getting." Like everybody's in character. There was a funny thing that happened in season two of Star Trek Picard, where they kind of make you think we're about to get a good season. So, like well, the first episode, <laughs> yes, like so, like Picard. Um, they, they're in season one of Picard. They're playing Ma- They're doing Mass Effect slash Firefly. And I'm like, what the shit is this? <laughs> like, no one is in their uniforms. We're on a Firefly cargo freighter. And where are the Starfleet ships? And this is the same like season two starts. And like, there's a beautiful new Stargazer, which was like Picard's first ship. It's got like what, a beautiful what stairs design. up to the captain's chair. What the hell? But I thought the design of that ship was fantastic. The bridge is beautiful. I was like, oh shit. And we're uniform. Oh right, we're going to start, and then like an attack hits and pretty much destroys the ship, and it turns out they're going to do an adventure in present day LA for the rest of the season. That's like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> so then they do this season, and once again, Starfleet ship, huh? All right, beautiful start in uniforms, run a bridge. Okay, how long do we stay? Oh wait, we're this is going to be the ship. This is the hero ship of this season. So like they got, we're doing everything right where. Um, the ship is good. We're using the ship. We got uniforms. Um, people are being respectful. Cause like there's this one moment where uh seven of nine mouths off to Picard and uh, Riker steps away. Hey, fuck. No, you're going to talk to him like that. He doesn't say he's like that, but he gets like up in her face. Like, Whoa, Whoa. I'm going to tell you what we're not going to do. And you're not talking about Admiral like this. I was like, <gasps> Whoa, we're, we're here. So, yeah, you Voyager alum don't get to talk to TNG guys like that. Come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, so it felt good. I, I, I love what they're doing so far. I just really hope they don't lean too much harder on any of the beats from the original cast movies. Because so far they have been bringing in so many plot beats from, like, so far they've been mining the motion picture and Wrath of Khan. And, like, and okay, uh, I, 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 uh, Search for Spock. I, Right, and I appreciate the appreciation for those movies, but we don't need to reuse those plot points. Like the big reveal at the end of episode two, I'm like, no, please don't be, please don't be. Ah, oh, you, they made them be that. God damn it! You so, mean the who shows up at the end? No, the 
reveal of who one of the characters is is in relation to the other two to two of the other characters. Um, okay. Again, not trying to spoil it since you know that only came out right. two days ago. Um, I just they, they did because I like the, the that the ending of the surprise reveal of who this character was, and then because the person was uh, like for all the cast, I've been waiting for them to fuck up everybody, and when this person shows up, I'm like, oh. This person's acting like the person. Yeah, no, yeah. I, like I say, I, I do enjoy the fact that they're writing them all as their char- characters as they originally were. Like what we've been waiting two seasons to see. It just, I just, they got to be careful with the classic series beats. I get you. Just gotta uh, watch it. I, I, I'm going to say, like, I kind of, I appreciate, it, I like it because what we're doing is like one last big season long movie, and it's like you know, love homage versus like doing a fully original sci-fi episode that we used to get every week in TNG. This is like a love letter and love letters have to have like callbacks. So I see why they're rhyming so much. And even though they're doing a lot of rhyming, George Lucas style, I do see a lot of what feels like an original story. Like I know this is the beat from there, but we've never really had like uh, Picard and Riker soloing off like this if it's age and dealing with age and then like right. yeah like eh, I'm, I'm loving it I, I, it was it was a it was a fantastic surprise it to me it was a plot twist that season three of picard would be good yeah that was the interesting thing is like listening to like you know the people like the critical drinkler and mauler being like oh picard's actually good this is such a nice surprise i can't believe it actually feels like star trek and then this other guy who did like star trek documentaries bernard something or another saying like no i'm telling you this is actually gets to the heart of star trek so uh, i thought that that was like such an interesting heel turn but i guess the question is is one season enough to make like up for two seasons of dreadful things because like you know picard's still a fucking robot are you just gonna pretend that didn't happen or are you just gonna ignore that let's put it this way let's put it this way if they can manage to turn raffi's character around to being not the most annoying thing that star trek has produced yet in the next gen in this current generation it'll be a win so far i think they did (sighs) the two two episodes i saw like at first i thought it was gonna be more raffi misery porn but it still is it's not oh i wouldn't say just it's not just that like Instead of like doing a complete heel turn that she's completely reformed, she still struggles. But instead of her just being like kind of whiny in the background and then sometimes can do things, she has an active plot that she is quite the agent in, and she is actually doing things and has her own place and and like a solid story of like you know she's got her own ship and she's actively moving through the plot versus just being like a, a plot punching bag. Well, yeah, she's got her own ship. Good thing Rio stay in the past, huh? Yeah, <laughs> Um Yeah, temporal prime directive. What? Card is good. So that is um, mainly what I've been geeking on, uh, other than reading the John Carter book, which is fan fucking tastic. Um, I love that movie, and I hope we get to review it sometime. Like John Carter is a world that the universe. We, we we deserved and we should get to go back to and the book is so much fun. Like didn't I read somewhere that they're trying to develop it again either as a series or another movie? Yeah, here they're trying to make it into a series, so my fingers are crossed. Yeah, but who's in charge of doing that series? Exactly. Or who's 
Or who? I mean, which studio is producing it? It should be remember? the guy Stephen D. Knight who did the uh, Spark is Blood and Sand, which you haven't seen. That. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. But the news around him is he's getting back to he's he's getting he's being called back into service to his sequel series to Spartacus Blood and Sand. Oh, so that's gonna be cool to see again. That's coming back. Justified is coming back. So <laughs> good things on the horizon. Uh, do you guys have anything uh, you want to talk about? Sure. In the world of geek reader, so I, I've got a few things I've been geeking on. I've been enjoying the Last of Us TV show. Um, it's been a pretty really good adaptation, uh, adding to the. Uh, uh, either you following it or now? No, yeah, I've watched um, it all, all the way through so far. Uh, I I'll give it a try. I think, but like I stay away from it because it it, uh, it gave me the scent of wokeness. Where <laughs> if you don't like it, we're gonna come after you. Like I don't want to. Oh no, no, no! There's nothing woke about it. I mean, I, I, know, I, so, I know some people kind of went after it for the third episode, which was just a beautiful piece of television as yeah. opposed to yeah, the, the, like a few people complained, but like I think most people, even the like Chudiverse had defenders. Like uh, I think mm-hmm. like the you know the two uh, kings of the pack, Mauler and uh, the Drinker, both were in praise of the third episode so uh, I, I think it, it uh it, like I, I was surprised i was afraid that neil Druckmann would like uh try and like you know um revise his old material to try and make it more like the last of us 2 or the, the things that people despised about the second part um mm-hmm. but it, it's mostly staying very faithful the, the third episode was really good i love the fifth episode i thought that was like maybe my favorite episode of the run uh the only thing i'd complain about is i i, I still don't think that the bella ran i don't she's got this weird gremlin face which doesn't <laughs> quite like line up with the you know the ellen page look of the original ellie uh, but mm-hmm. she, she she does a good job. Pedro Pascal's like you know we love to watch him uh, you know ferry around children. Uh, he's the go to nerd uh, you know hot prestige nerd guy right now. Uh, so he of course delivers, and uh, you know I think it's definitely uh, worth your time. And uh, uh, so far it's been a very strong adaptation. Let's put um, it this way: Keith, it's the strongest episodes of The Walking Dead concentrated oh. thus far. <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah, all right, that's good. That that is like a, a really good, good, adequate description. Uh, the the actress who plays Ellie, the thing that I don't like about uh, her style to me is what I, uh, is a constant look of disgust and rolling your eyes at you, and like the, I just like I, I get tired of that feel off when like uh when she was like uh that mormont character in oh yeah and everyone was like people just loved it so queen. much oh like, my god she's so <laughs> okay yeah. game of thrones come on she's great i mean I for one, folks, the, what that. the character she was great but and, and I, I understand what you're talking about keith because yeah. she was kind of that way for like the first three episodes and eventually started breaking down about the fourth episode and now it it seems like the actress herself has actually gotten to the groove with the character itself and with the cool. series. So it's the let her her performance has kind of come in line more the last couple episodes. All right. uh, another, yeah, another, maybe I'll give it a try. Another thing I've been geeking on is um, uh, the Trigun Stampede, the CGI rebirth, reimagining of the Trigun anime. Um, it's so weird because like mm. the Trigun. Um, 
The first, original series doesn't really follow the manga. Uh, it's kind of like mostly filler. Uh, it's anime original, as they call it in the industry. Uh, and then mm-hmm. this new one isn't following it. It's making a lot of several. But I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying seeing like the classic characters reimagined with their new CGI looks. Uh, there's some really well, impressive CGI set pieces. The studio behind it also did the beloved Beast Stars adaptation. Uh, and I, I'm just uh, surprised with how much I've been uh, enjoying it. How much more I've been enjoying it than I. I thought I would because uh, I think I saw this clip where they had like uh, what you call Vash's evil brother knives introduced, and it was like, mm-hmm. oh god, I'm getting old school anime RPG villain vibes because he, he just like rolls up and he lives up to his name. He's got like a billion, a million CGI knives, million knives, and he like slices through like a canyon. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is a good use of CGI. Just like these millions of knives. Oh, this is what I love. Like some anime villain who's got like a Noxious superpowers, uh, doing an anime villain speech with while dramatic music plays. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I gotta see what this is about. And I, I've been, uh, yeah, enjoying it. Uh, pleasantly surprised with it. Um, the other thing is another anime thing is uh, Vinland Saga Season 2, Farmland Saga, uh, where the main character is a slave and he's got to do shit in a farm. Uh, that so far has been a, a really good adaptation if you want your cerebral anime, uh, since it's a little bit more uh, grounded than you know your usual fantasy-laden stuff. Uh, it still has a kind of heightened reality, but... You know, it's more realistic than... Uh, Is that the one on Netflix? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's running yeah, simultaneously okay. on Netflix. So you can catch up with the first season, watch the second season as it airs. Uh, so if you want your highbrow a- anime, that's a, a good one to get to it with a more uh, mature sense of storytelling. And cool. the ever good things of Vinland Saga. The last one I have is I finally got around to seeing Malignant. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, 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 <laughs> I loved it. Uh, that that was so goddamn dumb. I had I just I want to hug it. But what do you think? Uh, I I loved it. I, I it was the exact kind of okay. like dumb fun I I wanted. Just to fuck yes. you to the studio, fuck you to the system. Like I made you one billion dollars with Aquaman, so I'm gonna have the 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 tumor, so the psychic tumor who uses reverse gunkata and walks backwards. Oh yes! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that, that, just throwing chairs at people. Yes. Fuck yeah, man! That was. <laughs> That was so much fun. I, I had a blast. Just with that completely one. bonkers. And you know, like the, the Red Letter Media did a whole episode trying to figure out. So is this a prank? Does it just is he self aware? <laughs> is, is he he knows this is ridiculous, right? This isn't a real horror movie. And if it is, that makes it all the better. If it's sincere, it makes it all the better. Just this batshit crazy movie where you know in this Gotham police station where he backward gun katas murders an entire police uh. station. <laughs> God bless you, James Wan. God bless you. Like, yeah, yeah I, I, we need more of that. Letting people do what they want. Have some fun. I watched that whole movie during my whole month of horror movies leading up to Halloween, and I watched that, and I'd never seen any of Wan's other movies aside from Aquaman before that one, and I was just... I, I had forced Whitaker eye after watching Malignant, but <laughs> then a couple days later, I watched The Conjuring for the first time, like, because that's also a James Wan. I'm like, that was the same guy directing this? Are you <laughs> bloody serious? Because The Conjuring is a great horror movie. I finally understand why everybody's like, oh, they're making a Conjuring form. I'm like, who the fuck cares? And you watch the first Conjuring, you understand why it has so many flipping uh, sequels. I don't think I've seen like, The Conjurings. Watch the first, at least watch the first one. The first one is great. I mean, it, 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 
From the setup, you think it'd just be another run-of-the-mill horror movie, but Juan is in his element in that movie, and it's flipping fantastic. But you you compare that against Malignant, and you can't believe it's the same guy. You really can't. It's just like, well, he always does have, like, a grindhouse sensibility, because, like, you know, what made him famous was the Saw franchise, which made so much goddamn money. Uh, And then he was kind of, like, in the uh, horror machine, making, like, PG-13 horror movies, but then, you know, uh, fucking uh, Malignant is just as gonzo, weird... Uh, you know, and, and one thing I couldn't get out of my head was the uh, the Pixie song remake where it goes ah, um, that is just such a great stinger. Uh, so, so I I love Malignant. Um, it's just cool. like a so dumb. It's perfect movie. Uh, yes, there's my mind. Yeah, Pixies. Where's my mind? Where's where right? my mind? And then the Malignant thing, and it's got, and then it has that perfectly time. Ah, is it's like transitioning between scenes? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I really enjoyed Malignant. Though the cool. b- best use of that song still is going to be the end of Fight Club. Always and forever will be the best use of that song. And Fight Club, really quickly. Uh, do you want to hear the theories about how uh, the girlfriend that is also imaginary and that? Uh, Todd Durden is not the only only imaginary character or place. You haven't read the book, have you? Everybody still there? Uh, yeah, uh, yep. uh, he, he, he said that uh, he asked, "Did you read the? Have you ever read the book?" No. Yeah, no. It, it's you could probably make the assumption that most of it was in Tyler's or uh, yeah. Tyler's head, but. You read, then you read uh, the sequel that um, Chuck Palahniuk did, the co- graphic novel that he did as a sequel, and that was very real. <laughs> she was um, real. I'll say that he can retcon it into being real, but in the visual language oh, of true. the movie, they showed a lot of what... Same things are going with Tyler Durden, where people wouldn't interact with him. No one really interacted with the girlfriend, either. And there's a lot of uh, visual shorthand that was used on Tyler Durden. That was used with her and with uh, Meatloaf and also um, the Fight Club in general. Like a lot of that was in his head, and it's all in the movie. Yeah, I guess I'd have to rewatch the movie and see how that specifically works with Marlowe. But yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. Um, anything else you guys been geeking on? Um. Are you done? Isaac? Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- th- that was my list I made up, so you can go forward. Sure. Okay. Um, I watched the menu a few weeks ago, uh, and th- that, that surprised oh, yeah. the hell out of me. Uh, that, that, that's a good movie. Uh, I, I yes, it was. Um, that was fun. That was such an amazing, fun movie. I mean, it's basically Canterbury Tales of Phil's lived out in Gordy Ramsay's personal hell. It was fantastic. <laughs> It has inspired me to make several hamburgers that I've enjoyed quite a bit. And, um, and then you look into the, the crew that was behind it. I mean, it, it still astounds me that Will Ferrell and Adam McKay helped produce it to get it made. But the fact that it was written by two guys who used to write for The Onion and a guy that was the first movie directed by a guy who's been doing Game of Thrones and Succession for HBO. And it's like, who knew that kind of talent was just sitting around and just came out of nowhere into this movie? It was great. Yeah, it, it, yeah I... 
pitch perfect uh, black satire. Uh, it was kind of funny. Like the people, were, I think Red Letter Media was like talking about it, comparing it to like um, Glass Onion, but they thought that like um, the, uh, the the menu was like a far more effective satire, more biting satire than uh, or more the, the, the Glass Onion, which which is funny, but like a little bit more smarmy. Like ha ha ha, we're punching up at the right people. Uh, and self-congratulatory, while the menu is just like razor sharp, like the that scene where they let the men run, and, the, and then the last guy uh, here is a egg souffle uh, for your for your efforts for being last one you found. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that, that's another one of those so good that I, I can't think of much to say about it. Like great performances, great scenes. Uh, and uh, something I have a hard time describing. Like, I keep on saying, like, it feels like one of those movies, uh, independent films that I used to pick up from four-star video in the 90s, where it's just, like, this concept, and you have, like, all-star actors, and then it comes down to, basically, the black comedy of all their deaths. It's I can't even think of any, like, examples, but, yeah, it felt, felt like a throwback or something. Maybe, like, it feels like a throwback because it relied so much on... Um, a absurd concept in the performance of the actors. Like you're there for those actors on screen, not for any kind of uh, giant set pieces. Like I've been so used to over the last several years. And I did like how the whole narrative structure kind of fall along with the titular menu. It's like, okay, let's each one of the dishes and how we're going to escalate for what's going on for each of the characters and each and all escalating along with the menu. I thought that was a great structure for what they had put into the movie. I, I gotta say the most relatable scene that like hit me really hard, uh, was the scene where they like Nicholas Holt's character is like invited. Oh, you're, you're obviously, you deserve to be with us in the back cabinet. Here it is. Here's your thing. So what do you want? Uh, I want lamb and shallots and, and, uh, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, shit. yes. And I'm like, he was like, yeah, this is me. What I feel like when I got a good recipe, Ooh, I'm improvising. I'm, I'm making this thing. I'm, I, I'm the master chef. Uh, I'm, the culinary i'm playing with my food i'm a food influencer i'm so good that then you like doesn't turn out well and it's like this horrible mess and you're like fuck <laughs> and <then laughs> all, all the time i'm just thinking oh this shit this is uh isaac's bullshit <laughs> you know i just think of all, all i've not seen you miss yet isaac i haven't seen you miss yet. <laughs> well you haven't seen my attempt to try and do uh like a flan and how it just turned into this oh, awful uh, yeah and this awful egg custard <laughs> that, that's what I, I i'm specifically talking about cooking <laughs> gotcha okay <laughs> i yeah i say within my i i i make few things and i stay in that wheelhouse i, I don't mess around too much but like I, I felt like him, because like you know between like the, you know the the chef things and this this is old well not old but like anime from a couple years ago, food wars it's like yeah yeah I, I'm uh, dancing with flavor I'm uh, putting in oh. red wine vinaigrette I I'm the supreme chef Ooh, I did this okay I did do that once with like my my friend um we had like this like used to do this getaway where we go to like a uh like a cabin whatever and we you know geek out for a weekend and. It's good to see each other. And, like, my friend did this amazing ramen where, like, you know, he made this broth with, like, onions and this and that. And I was like, wow. So, on my own, I tried to do that once. And, oh, my God, I made the worst-tasting ramen I've ever had in my entire life. Um, I chopped those onions. I was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And, like, the pictures I posted online made it look like I made something good. 
except for like this one guy who I think understood ramen. And he's like, uh, that looks terrible. And I was like, yeah, it was, it was really fucking bad. <laughs> so so the, <laughs> that, that hit me very hard. And then he gets him to commit suicide <laughs> by just whispering the, the, the worst compliment in his ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, and his suicide, I actually missed it. I blinked. It happened so fast. Like she turns and see dang, sees dangling feet. And like, I must have turned my head and missed that he died. Cause like, for the rest of the movie, I'm like, so where is he? I guess that's the only point of disbelief I had with this is that he knew that everyone in that room was going to die the entire time, and he just sat there and he invited his girlfriend along, knowing that he was taking her toward death. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? I thought that was an odd twist that they threw in on the side there, but yeah, other than that, that was a pretty damn solid movie. The um, only other thing I've been geeking on lately is uh, Poker Face. It's a prime mystery series on Peacock only, because, you know, we need another bloody streaming service. But, um, written, created and written and directed by Ryan Johnson, everybody's favorite. Um, Yay! I'm loving the shit out of it. Uh, it's uh, Columbo, with a tinge of The Fugitive, led by Natasha Leone. And it's, so far, through the first six, seven episodes, it's been great. I mean, it's doing the same thing Columbo did. They're just digging up all these various guest stars that you haven't seen on TV or you wouldn't think would do stuff like this, like Nick Nolte, Tim Russ, or who was a uh, Tuvok on Voyager, uh, Judith Light, Adrian, Adrian Brody, Chloe Sveeney, uh, Tim Meadows. I mean, just all these various stars and actually getting really great performances out of them and some decent mysteries. The formula for the show, they need to watch a little bit because it's going to get a little too formulaic. But Leon does a great job with leading it, and it's it's been a lot of fun to watch so far. And the first two episodes that are the only ones that uh, Johnson directly wrote and directed they were great they, they reminded me so much of brick i was just like just, nice yes that's ryan johnson we want back come back ryan come back from hell <laughs> uh, it sounds like he's doing uh, quite the tarantino then here where he's uh making bringing back uh, actors and giving them a shot yeah, yeah, right. It's just it is what he was hinting at that he was going to start going back towards with knives out and then he kind of started wanking off onto the screen with glass onion but it's, I'm glad to see they came back with this, and this is what it's leading to. And they already confirmed a second season, so I'm enjoying it so far. And I'm kind of wondering what else they're going to pull out, and if they're going to hopefully change up the formula a little bit. But yeah, as long as uh, Leon's on her game, that the show will be fine. Cool. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good, All but right. good things about it. Then here um, to close up the episode, uh, I would say let's let's do recommendations that. You know, we each other or the audience to try, and um, I'll go first. Um, if you like Timothy Oliphant in uh, What's My Time in Hollywood or in uh, Boba Fett or in Mandalorian, you want to see the main role that made him like the it good dude that you want to be in your thing because he's that so fucking cool. And it's called Justified. Um, he's a U.S. Marshal going back to Kentucky. And doing basically uh, modern day cowboy gunslinger stories, and the dialogue in it is just incredible. The acting, um, the action set pieces, just some of the best TV I've ever seen. And this year, God bless, he gets to come back for a miniseries. So if you haven't seen Justified, trust me, you want to watch Justified. Um, MJ, would you recommend anything? Random recommendations, uh, stuff I uh, been into or saw recently. In Bruges, I finally saw that movie. 
fantastic. That was some dark shit, and I loved it. Alright. Um, the main reason I finally saw that is because uh, um, Mark McDonough, the director, the guy who wrote and directed uh, In Bruges, um, he's, you know, Oscar darling right now with uh, The Banshees of Inna Sharon, which is not quite as good, but it also stars um, Colin Farrell and um, oh, oh, shit, I'm forgetting his other name. But anyway, if you want a good dark just hanging around in or European, just hanging around in a random city in Europe, and people just being snotty little bastards to each other, but still having fun. Movie, give Embers a try. I heard Legends of Embers, so yeah, yeah, it's and a lot of fun. Isaac, what would you recommend? Um, I think I kind of gave uh, all my recommendations were probably in the I guess Last of Us, but I'm going to give you a recommend. I'm going to uh, play a wild card. I'm going to recommend to you about something I just learned about, um, and uh, like a half an hour before we started. Um, so I don't know if this is good. I need to actually watch it myself. Um, but so, all right, so get this. So I learned apparently in Japan, there was this reality show called million tag where it's basically like pairing up six amateur aspiring manga authors, uh, with six editors to see who can win. Uh, and I just found out about this because on the, you know, Shonen Jump Shueisha site where they, uh, publish online stuff, they publish the winner, which is this, uh, thing called dollar and beat. And I read it and it was a pretty decent pilot. Uh, but like, this is my favorite shit in the fucking world. Um, like the behind the scenes of, uh, of uh, manga. So I, I am like so pumped to watch this fucking reality show. Uh, I, I hope it's good. I hope it lives up million tag. Uh, although you want to hear something wild, um, you know, the, the editor, uh, who won and, uh, you know, the, the, the person he mentored, uh, is this one guy who's like, uh, on a fucking roll. He's like the new God editor of like, uh, you know, of Shuesha, uh, right now. Uh, he's, because he's also, he's the editor behind, um, the Chainsaw Man. He oversees that. He's also the editor who oversees Spy Family, uh, this other series that was successful called Hell's Paradise. Uh, he's got a few other things and of course he, he He's the winner. Of course, he was the guy who guided uh, the person to success, which I, I just think is fucking wild. Is it subtitled? Hmm. And um, where would you so see apparently, it? Uh, I was like hunting it down. Uh, apparently, it's on YouTube, uh, and if you, you can turn on the subtitles um, through the YouTube uh, subtitle thing, and so far from what I've seen, it's working pretty well. So um, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you once I watch it all. But I know this is quickly dropped into my. I need to fucking see this. <laughs> I hope this is as good as I, as I want because there's nothing like a, there's nothing I'm because you know in the world of America like the fucking uh, American comic artists can't shut the hell up. They're, they're always bitching on Twitter and they basically turn like most American superhero comics or mainstream comics into like you know oh let's talk about our food let's go out for dinner all this kind of like Tumblr posting and like mm-hmm. you know the, the manga industry is just kind of destroying the american comic industry in terms of sales and influence Uh, oh yeah yeah i think i saw some video where someone was pointing out that like um you know you could see a billion people making reviews and talking about the latest one piece chapter but like i I, you you can't you can't find anyone talking about the latest batman or superman story there's just no, no, uh, no fucking community for that. I mean, there's a few, yeah. like, there's a few like comic book channels, but they, they just do backlog stuff. Like, let's talk about this run of Venom comics. Oh, let's go into the uh, World War Hulk. But they're not really like, oh, let's review uh, issue forty six of the Man of Steel run. Cool. Uh, yeah, in, in a micro way of that, um, 
where I was getting just tired of like what was going on in entertainment. Yeah, the the great refuge is anime. Like if I want to see new stories with amazing art and characters where like it's not about genders, it's not about identities, it's about like experiences that teach you things. Um yeah, anime has been a great refuge. Uh so so I'm just like morbidly curious that like cuz uh, the thing that makes it really frustrating is like um they're they're much more secretive. Like there are a few examples like um what you call Fujimoto's on Twitter, uh the Hunter Hunter guy Yoshihiro Tagashi went on Twitter. Uh and it was funny. He would like post like little things of him working on Hunter Hunter and, and then people would just be like, "Oh, God is here. He is the savior. Oh, he's <laughs> graced us with this picture of a tree." Uh you know I print every day thanking me for a Hunter Hunter fan. <laughs> and it would just be like these like scribbles of like things that were being worked on. Um, so, so, but generally it's like very secretive. Like I, I, nothing would like, Oh God, there was this one manga. It's like a gag manga. And it was like not a super successful, but they got an anime adaptation. But like, I guess the publisher didn't want to like fund a campaign. So they did a fucking Kickstarter uh, to fund this like uh, advertising campaign of like featuring like uh, the character on like a Japanese train asking for like a hundred thousand yen because I guess they were poor but one of the rewards they offered was like you could actually be on an editorial session between the, the artist and the writer and I was just like fuck uh, uh, if I had money to burn I would do that in a heartbeat just so I could even if it's a series I don't care about I, I just want to be in that meeting I just want to see that back and forth of like uh, how they're formulating ideas I, I fucking love that uh, and because it's so secretive and because like uh, manga people don't do interviews i i just love the idea of like getting an insight into that process cool yeah i'd be interested in seeing the creative process behind uh manga because uh, i've never seen uh, it like before. i said i don't know if it's any good um like i i watched five minutes of it before we started but like uh, you know uh, i'm digging into it uh i i hope it's as good as i i i think it'll be right on all right mj where can we find more of you on more of you on the internet I'm on all the socials as MJ3342. All right. Isaac, where can we find more of you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Lobster Magnet Review on YouTube and Lobster Magnet 181 on TikTok. And I also have a Facebook page, but that one kind of fucking sucks because Facebook is a horrible platform and it's very difficult to get monetized yes. on it. And holy shit, have I wasted so much time this, these past two months trying to get that Facebook ad money in. Uh, boy, nice. I, boy, do I want to uh, you know, strangle Mark Zuckerberg's uh, metaverse-obsessed uh, hand, uh, you know, neck. Sounds like a good YouTube video to describe how that works. Because oh, yeah. I, I've, I've wanted to try to monetize YouTube, uh, Facebook, but I have no idea where to start. It's, it's, it's not All right. easy. <laughs> All right. You can find me uh, at Keith Hayward on Twitter, at Keith Justice on Instagram. And you can find this podcast and more on popkeeps.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Geek out.
Freak night, freak the night, wrong place. 